Hey, this is Marv Wolfman, co-creator of the Teen Titans, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Super special, giant size episode. Three specials. Three, I know. I'll I'll drop a little hot take. One of them sucks out loud. But I I, I enjoyed it. But it's not my idea. Yeah, it's not my idea of a uh, entertaining experience. At least half of it's not. No, uh, uh, what I mean is half of the single issue special is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel you. But, yeah, big time. Love these books. So, why even talk about them? Hey, we're done, everybody. Love you. See you next time. Call me. (laughs) Call me. No, hey, everybody. Look at this. It's 11 o'clock comics episode 762. It's the book of the month episode. Woohoo. And I'm Vince B. Yeah, uh, you are Vince B. I am David A. Price. I can vouch for you because I'm Cordyceps Jones. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not that. You're Jason Wood, everybody. I you can't remember what I said. So you're like, you're you not said that. Cordyceps Jones. No, no, oh, okay. oh, I got this. No, I'm not that old, bro. Um, <laughs> you're not senseless. And once again, this episode has been sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you get your books, get them fast, and you get them delivered right to your door for a fraction of what everyone else is paying. Unfortunately, we are on the cusp of a new month. One more day, and it'll be October. So therefore, the list of specials has not been posted yet. But... Rest assured, when they do post those specials, the discounts will be both plentiful and extremely deep. You're going to get books for much, much, much less than you're going to pay at the brick-and-mortar places. They are absolutely the best. I love it when the month tips over, and I would say by about the 4th or the 5th, we get the list of, of new specials, right? And I scroll through them, and I'm like, okay, going to talk about that one, that one, that one, and that one, and that one. And then I have to hone it down, whittle it down to three for the the episode because nobody wants to hear five books pitched or more, right? That's how many specials they have, like hundreds of specials each month. If you have no experience with DCBService.com, please go there. Just take a look at the, the existing specials. Maybe you're not going to order, maybe you're going to wait till the beginning of the month, whatever, but just look at all the savings we reaped being regular customers. Rewards, they're there. DCBService.com I finally placed my order last night. Oh my goodness, I placed I my... I was, I, like, on the day the specials come out, I'm like, gotta I, get them up! No, I know, and I, I mean, and I kept... I, I I meant to do it. I had I, I brought the laptop downstairs and I meant to do it every night for the past week and a half and and shit just never happened and so I'm doing it Tuesday night and I'm entering everything. I pull my pull this stuff over. I'm I'm going through um, the big two in the front of the catalog, making sure everything gets added, and then I get to the others section on the DCBS website. And it's a big old error. 
even if I do a search for something like Star Trek Explorer and I hit enter, error. So I was like, all right, I guess tomorrow during my lunch break at work, I'll upload the Excel spreadsheet. I download the Excel spreadsheet. I take a screenshot of everything in my cart, mail it to myself so I can work on it the next day. But before I close the laptop, I send an email to customer service and I said, hey, I don't know what's going on. Um, it's all good. I'm still going to get my order in. I might need help, but um, there's something up with the website. And before the morning got too late, um, I got a reply from DCBS saying that, uh, thanks for letting us know. I made the changes. Everything should be good to go. I went right back to the site, clicked on uh, Titan Books, and lo and behold, everything loaded. So Bada when bang. I got home... I still didn't get to do it when I got home, so it wasn't until after midnight when I was ready to go to sleep that uh, I finally finished uploading. I, I, I submitted it, and we're good to go. You know why I like to get it done early? So Very. It <laughs> no, no, no. I experienced the same thing you did. I was trying to add the latest volume of Dungeon Zenith by uh, Trondheim and Svar. Uh, can't wait for that. And uh, I clicked on the description and it came up you know there's an error blah 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 so i'm like all right i'll just wait and i waited a day and it was fine so i added it to my order but the reason why i like to add uh, to do my order early is because i'm like a ping pong ball man i go back and forth with some things if they have a, a trail of breadcrumbs for every time i change my order once it's been submitted, like edit my order, they must think I'm I'm absolutely insane because I'll add something and then the day after, like, do I really need that? I take it off. And then a couple of days after that, hell yeah, I really need it. I put it back on. I'll add another book. And then the next day I'll see something or somebody will mention something in the Slack like this book's really good. You should try it out. And I, I'll add that to my order and then I'll take off a collection because for whatever reason and then more often than not by the end of the month i put it back on my order like i'm i'm just so odd when it comes to ordering these books uh i, I don't know I know what i'm gonna get i know what i'm gonna get so there's no really wishy-washy with me i will there have been times where i'll add like last night i almost messed up because i forgot that uh there are two the first two issues of dark knights of steel are in the the september preview so i i had the first issue in my cart um and then i did one last pass and i'm like wait a second i'm pretty sure this was one of the things i was bitching about because a lot of things in the catalog are coming in december and oh by the way also in january so that they're, they're they're putting both issues of, of a title so i checked i was like lo and behold it was there i added everything was fine i did I did remove a couple of things last night because it was it was one of those things where it'd be neat to have, but I absolutely don't need it. Like I I think it would be cool to have that deluxe hardcover Flintstone set. But I have all the issues and I don't right. think I'm really gonna sit down and read the hardcover anytime soon. So I'm like I don't I'll 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 save that twenty bucks for something else. It's true, but um yeah. Uh, we have my buying habits have massively changed. I, I take the Marvel and the DC catalogs and I throw them in the recycling. I don't even look at them unless I know that there's another Immortal Hulk trade offered or, you know, uh, DC will, will be offering a collect like the Milestone collection. Hell yeah, mm -hmm. I'm going to get that. Right. Well, I mean, the um, the final um, 
Thor collection by Aaron, paper trade paperback. Yeah, was in, the fifth one was in the September. So I mean, like, no, I, I still have to flip through them. There might not be a whole lot. Oh, I'll look at them digitally. Yeah, yeah but, but when the yeah, paper uh, ones come, I don't even touch them. Okay. So there you go. Wow, that was a long-winded DCBS promo, but you should really go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Just look around; they're awesome. Um, I'm drinking this episode. Oh, yeah. Tell. I have a trifecta, some of which are seasonal. Number one, from Two Roads Brewing. <laughs> this thing is called Rhodes Mary's Baby. Yeah. <laughs> and it has, it's awesome. It Obviously, it's Halloween themed. And it has the, you know, the, the, the peak of the, the hill with the baby carriage on it. But the carriage is a pumpkin. There's one eye, and then the mouth is where the 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 cradle part of the the carriage would be. I think it's brilliant, but anyway, two roads, Rosemary's baby. Then I have from Dogfish, Campfire Amplifier. I don't know if I'm gonna like this. It's it's a it's a s'mores, uh, milk stout, no. or something like that. And last but not least, Ralph Steadman for the win. Tropical bitch from Flying Dog. So I'm I'm loaded for bear this episode. You are. Yeah. Look at you. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I am. Uh, okay. I'm loaded up. I got I got bubbly bound citrus cherry, and then when that's done, get ready for it. I got bubbly bounce mango passion fruit. Oh. Better save some of that for me, man. Ugh, mm. There's chocolate in this beer. Well, it said s'mores, well, it bro. Said s'mores, yeah, I mean, it did. No, it's not. It's not unpleasant. Dogfish head. There, it's not unpleasant. But the the art on the uh, carrier is, and the label is really nice. I got to find out who did it. Superb, actually. Sorry. Dap, what are you drinking? Um, I thought I had the bottle next to me. Uh, this is uh, a funny story which I won't get into tonight. But um, shout out to uh, our boy Ono who um sent a video of a uh, guy who did a <laughs> taste test of 10 bourbons. And this was one of them. And this was actually in his winner's circle for a little while while he was looking for the one that was $3,000. What I'm drinking is nowhere close to that. I don't even think I spent 25 bucks on a bottle of this stuff. But this is Larceny. Um, and it's really, really good. And and um, I've had it before. But uh, once this is done, I've got uh, some wonderful seltzer from my fabulous soda stream downstairs nice nice well uh, like we said at the top of the episode special episode book of the month uh in case you forgot we did not solicit uh voting from our patrons for this episode we, well, we just, will next month yeah oh definitely next month we will uh, or this pro- month because you'll hear it on friday in october you'll be able to vote yeah and uh they're going to be uh Maybe mostly Halloween themed, or at least creepy crawly stuff. So we'll see, we'll see. But uh, be that as it may, we did not solicit voting for this one. We just, as Dap is is uh, want to say, we did an audible called an audible, and we uh, went with Sword of the Atom, which is a great series. Uh, not only the four issue miniseries, which is one of the earliest DC miniseries, by the way. Uh, 1983, we did the uh, four-issue Sword of the Atom mini, and then we did the 
trio of specials that followed. One of which, not very closely, but uh, we'll get to that. So, Sword of the Atom, the miniseries, was written by Jan Sternad. And now, I've heard people say Jan, and I've heard people say Jan. So, I've always said Jan. So, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong by habit. Right? It's. I'm pretty sure it's Jan. Yeah. Uh, Stur- uh, yeah, I think it's Jan, but I mean, that's but how you would say it. If, I assume he's Eastern European, and if he is, then I would assume I think that's how you would say it. But so I look at that name and I think, okay, Jan Wenner, uh, Jan Wenner from Rolling Stone, it's Jan. But um, okay, let's say Jan Sternad. Let's be cool and say Jan was a frequent collaborator of whom? Do you know? Richard Corbin. Yes, that's why I brought it up. Uh, illustrated by some guy named Gil Kane. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> not very familiar with his work, but no, no. I mean, you know, it's it's he could have been an up and comer. Um, <laughs> I am on the Facebooks, and under name pronunciation, okay, I mean, click the little button that says uh, to play it, but it's all caps J A N. So I'm going to say that's uh, that's Jan. Strunod, capital S-T-R-U-H, hyphen, lowercase N-A-H-D. So, Strunod. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, that makes me a little bit uncomfortable because... Sounds uh, like Strunod. Strunod, yeah. That's, you know, what that means. But anyway. uh, Illustrated by the great Gil Kane. Uh, You know, the story could completely suck. And Gil be at the driver's seat with the art, and it would still be an enjoyable experience. And color art by Tom Zuko. Jason, my man, ask you a question. <laughs> I feel like we've answered this over the past couple of weeks. But yeah, yeah. I may have a surprise, we know, though. We know his answer. Right. But yes. Jason, when was the first time you encountered these books? Did you uh, buy them? Oh, did we lose them? No, he says he's having mic issues. Oh, okay. Uh, so, hi. So, hi. Uh, Jason likes to ask the question, like, when did you uh, first encounter these books? Did you buy them off the shelf or the rack? Did you read them after the fact? Uh, were they recommended to you from someone? So, while he's, uh, are you okay there, Jason? Do we have you? I, we don't have him. Okay. Uh, I will say that I read and I bought and read most of these issues off the rack when they were published. The only one I did not read, and I didn't read it till many, many years after the fact, was the third special. Really? Yeah, I just didn't have it, and I never encountered it in the wild. Uh, I don't. I think maybe a wild pig show. I picked it up for a quarter. Okay. Yeah, um, but that one escaped me for for whatever reason when it was originally published, and I scooped it up much later. And uh, fooey on me because uh, I, the story, whatever your opinions of the nar- the narrative, the story, the art, I think it's among Broderick's best work. I think the art is amazing in that book, but we'll get to it. Dap, I'm sure you bought the original miniseries off the rack, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did miss one of the two specials and they were originally released. Uh, one of the first two and um, ended up 
scoring it a little later. Um, so I didn't miss, I'm not sure if it was the first or the second special, but, uh, but no, yeah, these were, as soon as I laid eyes on them, um, they were mine and, and, uh, I was buying them as, as they were coming out. I wasn't, um, I was surprised to see the third one, um, in the rack. And of course, I, I, right from the cover, you can see that it's not Gil. Um, but it was still part of the theme. So I, and, and, and I am a Ray Palmer fan. So, um, right. It was a no brainer, but yeah, yeah, I was, I was buying them as they were coming out. But what an amazingly difficult act to follow when you have a giant among the, uh, the artists of all, the all, an all-time giant among comic book artists, and he set the groundwork for the series to the point where he did the original four, then he did two specials. So now you have to—I don't know why Gil didn't do the third special because he was still alive, but up there in age, maybe that had something to do with it. But um, for Broderick to come in and make his mark on that third special, and. There's no shame in the, the lines he laid down. I think he holds his own uh, in terms of what has come before in Sword of the Atom. That's damn difficult when, when you can follow Gil Kane and not completely fall flat on your face. That's true. Yeah, big tip of the hat to Pat Broderick on that. And, you know, I always think of what's the one book I think of whenever Pat Broderick's name? Do you think of the Micronauts? I do, but not first. Oh, first for me is Firestorm. For me, it's Lords of the Ultra Realm. I can see that. Yeah, that makes absolute sense for you. Yeah, yeah. which is goofy, right? I mean, I'm a big fan of the underdog uh, and the seldom seen and the the outre books, and you know, not many people glommed onto Lords of the Lords of the Ultra Realm. But it, I thought it was a decent book. I liked it a lot, and Broderick is front and center on that book uh, to its benefit. But anyway. Um, did we get him back yet? I've been here. Can you hear me? Hey, yes, what's up, brother? You sound fine now. You were sounding like you guys were like 30 miles away. I think it's the, um, it's my headphone cord that it plugs into the mic. I just oh, unplugged yeah. it and we and plugged it back in and jiggled it and it's fine right now. So I'm guessing oh. I might need a new cord. But anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I've heard everything you guys have said. I just, I, 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 it like was barely though. Um, okay. So. Uh, as you as you correctly uh, posited, I, I my first time reading the miniseries and the specials was this week. Nice, that's good because we get a a, a trio of perspectives on so these fresh. things. And and for those of you, oh God, he's gone again. For those of you playing at home, um, and you, you know, if you're a regular listener, you know that Dap is a, a ravenous Gil Kane fan. Right? And, uh, I mean, I love his work, but Dap is the true acolyte of, of Gil Kane. So Jason uh, just read it this week. So you get a, a, an opinion from someone who loves the man's work um, and uh, an opinion from someone who deifies the man's work. And then you get Jason, who just encountered <laughs> – no. No, you know what I mean. Who just – who no, who just encountered it this week. I don't think – it's fair to consume something like this in a week and and really absorb exactly what's going on here in the visuals. I think the visuals are just 
amazing. Um, some of Gill's best. But that's what is that saying when you say, well, this is among Gill's best work? Gill did a hell of, hell of a lot of amazing work over the multi decades he's been in comics. So, you know, uh, grain of salt time, right? But before we get into it, I just want to start any kind of commentary that I'm going to make with. Is there a more maligned character in the the DC stable than Gene Loring? I mean, Tempestuous doesn't even begin to touch all of the changes this character has gone through over the years. I mean, she went absolutely batshit mad in Identity Crisis to the point where she murdered manipulated people ju- at the at the slim chance that she would get her her Ray Palmer back. I mean that was the impetus for all of identity uh crisis, right? That Jean wanted Adam back. And so she did I mean th- there was even the death of an unborn child in that book, right? And if that if that wasn't enough, so she goes crazy and commits crimes in identity crisis. And then she becomes Eclipso at one point. Like, and I think you can see the, the instability of the character starting in this miniseries. Like, I'll be honest, I, I think she is on the verge of a mental breakdown in a lot of this series. Um, she, loathes Ray because he has um, injected the the life of the superhero into their marriage. Like, she married him. She knew what it was going in. He revealed to her that he was the Adam before they got married. So she agreed. You know, she said, I do. And then things turned sour very quickly. And it's like all these gizmos are in the house and, and... you know, you bought this doohickey and we could have used the money for something else. And um, then she flat out has an affair with someone right under his nose. And she's just like, I don't care. Right? I, whatever. Paul's, Paul's good to me. He's attractive and, and you're not there for me. So fuck you. I'm going to go with Paul. And I, I just think she's a very narcissistic, self-absorbed, catty, unlikable character in this book uh, there's there's nothing that comes out of her mouth that does not make me wince on some level and i think that's by design yeah i mean i'm trying to to put myself in her place uh what if you did agree to wed a superhero and all the baggage that comes with that i get it but she talks about being put in danger because yeah. she's She's uh, Ray's wife. Um, all of the the uh, tumultuous uh, ups and downs of 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 their marriage, uh, him being away and her just being in this little, you know, rinky-dink town. Not rinky-dink, but small small-ish town, just bored. Um, and then she has her her career to think about. I guess. And I'm not. I think. I I, I think the career is where it really like like she wants to make a name for herself and and she's so like i'm not comparing ray palmer the adam 
to Elongated Man or The Flash or to some degree even Superman. But you do have these, – these are all characters. Well, Superman later. But, but you know, Barry Allen, Ralph Dibney, their spouses are not um, – they're not menaced. It's not like Hawkman – and and hawk girl or hawk woman it's it's where they're both superheroes and in on it you know this is if sue dibney just goes along for the ride and um iris west allen has her own job anyway as 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 a reporter but obviously she knows who barry allen is eventually um yeah but iris always took a supporting role like she was there for right whereas sue's in it with with ralph and 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 right but 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 they both but these are two these are both women who still stayed with their man through thick and thin and and i think because gene's mindset gene gene comes across um and it, it 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 continued so it's not like this is just jan's take because even when brad Meltzer wrote identity crisis and uh you see other other writers handle gene loring um she's always kind of come across as uh someone who has a sense of entitlement or privilege oh yeah and and so it's never it's not like someone read this and goes well wow i just i it's very understandable as to why you know these two are headed for for doom and and but it's it's kind of who she's always been so at least as far as i've been reading and and so it all kind of rang true and and i like it it always it kind of bummed me out over the years because i i like ray palmer i mean i'm not saying he was cuckold or anything but it it is it's it's a situation where you know he's just it's not necessarily, it's, well, it's kind of like what Paul says later on in, in, in the book, but it, it's all, you know, Ray's a scientist, and, and you know, he may not have set out to be a hero, but he, he does, he wants to solve problems, and, and I guess I always took it to mean that if, if, if Gene wasn't the center of Ray's universe, or anybody's universe, if, if, if Gene if anything comes close to edging Jean out of the winner's circle, then she just, she, she, she can't, she can't have that. Right. So it, it, it was, it's, she was very easy to dislike in this book. I think the seeds of identity crisis were planted in this series. I definitely. Partly. Did. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Brad, Brad, I think, which is why I really, as, as dark and morbid, and some things happened that there were some relationships or 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 nemeses that that were launched in that miniseries that I don't necessarily completely agree with. But Brad Meltzer definitely did his homework and and knew exactly who to pluck and where to pluck. He right. he you know with the whole satellite era and I mean he, he 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 was like Bendis in that regard where he just you know he studied history and. And he knew exactly what story he was going to tell, and it and, and it worked out so well because of where it played into it. So, right. Identity Crisis is still one of my absolute favorite stories. And I'll lay it all out. I like the swashbuckling Ray Palmer, or 
should we call him Adam? I like the swashbuckling Adam much more than a participant in the Justice League. I think he works really well solo in the setting of uh, what eventually happens uh, in this miniseries, and we'll get to it. Um, that, to me, is far preferable than having him you know, add to the solution of a crime when you have all of the best and brightest on a satellite or in the in the in the room, then he's a bit player. I think Adam needs to be front and center. Like just, this. Just it, it's it's a it's a lot like or flash your shoulder. Yeah, like Nightcrawler. I, I you know, Nightcrawler's great in, in the X books, but that miniseries, come on. The the uh, pulpy swashbuckling nightcrawler always clicked with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jason, what do you think? So this is interesting because as we've established, I hadn't read this before. And yet, um, maybe you guys might not remember this, but my first um, my first ever DC event was Identity Crisis. I yeah, remember. we do remember that. Yeah. And, and so when I read that, I was like blown away. But I had no history with, with, with Gene other than what Brad was laying down on those pages, you know. Right. Now he established, of course, that it was uh raised X and all that. So like it wasn't wasn't, you know, like I I knew that, but 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 I, I didn't really have any experience with her as a character, you know. It's so, like for all I knew, she was just like a totally normie, like happy go lucky comic wife, and then he just turned her into this. Um So and then I didn't really give much thought until we until I sat down to read these, that that she was going to be front and center in this. Like I never, I guess I never really thought about it one way or the other. Um, I, I would go so far as to like I, I like Dap mentioned offhand. I wouldn't say he was cuckolded, but like I in my notes for the night, I have one of the first notes is like, "Holy shit, Ray got cucked." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, like now I don't, you know, considering where I was reading comics in those early 80s I, I don't remember in in mainstream superhero comics many instances like that where the hero is getting played like a chump like straight up like emasculated right like yeah. he he like like he he catches her making out with other dude in the car right like like and he's just like oh she's at work working hard you know and i'm like god damn like dude's getting played like a bitch yeah and i i got to think that like that didn't happen very often, particularly back then. Like that was like a, I don't know, like because like back then you still had these very stereotypical proto alpha male character types for these you know these heroes, right? Exactly. And so it was like, yeah. So like so so I I was taken aback by it in twenty twenty one reading it. So I, I would imagine it must have put some people on their asses in nineteen eighty three or whenever this came out, right? Well, don't forget, we're on the cusp of the year many claim to be DC's finest, right? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think this book largely goes unnoticed, but I think this is is the trickle that eventually led to the deluge in in DC going in and saying, we don't have to do it the way we've always done it. I think this, this book was uh, instrumental in paving the way for the darker more realistic takes that uh, eventually appeared because this is real life, right? Um, Marriages don't always work out. 
wives and husbands don't always remain faithful, yet you never really, there was a candy-coated illusion of wedded bliss in the comics, right? But in in this, no, he takes a sledgehammer to that. And and, uh, Jan's like, things don't always work out, as you will see. And and Jean is is uh, unrepentant. Like she is just assured, uh, self assured to the point where she knows that what she's doing is right. And then there's a point where she has these recriminations, like, "Oh, I I gotta find Ray because um, I need to give him what for, but and get me back to size." But that's I don't think that's exactly the reason why she goes after him. I think, and she says it herself, she's like, I don't know what it is about you, Ray Palmer, but once you get your hooks into someone, it's very hard to divest oneself from Ray Palmer. And she's feeling it, right? And I think that plays into identity crisis too. That's exactly why all the the bad stuff happens because she wants to reunite with her her ex and look what happened there. But um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, I think it's a very realistic portrayal of relationships in this book. Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, because I do think most relationships and, and in these kind of comics are, are just surface level, um, like you were alluding, I, I think the other cool thing about this is that not only does she cheat on him and start the book off that way, which is like, oh man, but like you said, I mean, they, they, don't, they don't make the infidelity one-dimensional you know like 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 if like she's both upset and apologetic but then also like not but then she also thinks it's the right thing and she holds almost blames him for it and like that's real right like 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 relationships like that happens a lot right where where someone has an affair and it's it's about it's about other things it's it's not about just like being horny and wanting to fuck somebody else. It's, right, it's, it's right. because the person, they, they were drifting apart anyway. And, 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 and in this case, you know, Ray was, was spending all their money, like her money. Like she was making all this money when in big cases and he was spending the money without asking her on scientific equipment. Yeah. And not only was he an obsessive scientist, but then in whatever free time he had before that, he was going out and being a costume vigilante. And, you know, she's, she didn't feel like she had a husband and a partner and a lover. And like, that's real. Like, that's real. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I'm not, you know, you know, I have a pretty black and white view on the whole, as you guys know about the infidelity, but like, but like, this is like, at least, but it's still rung true for me. It rung like, like I was like, ah, but like, this is how it would be. Like, like, like I'm not, I'm not excusing her behavior. I don't think she handled it right. But, but like, at least it's coming from a place of not just like, oh, she's a whore. And like, he caught her banging some other dude. Like, like, like it was an emotional decision. It wasn't a she was horny you know what i mean like and i'm like i respect that like i respect the way they approached it they were they approached it in like a very layered nuanced way and that's why maybe dap what you meant by like he wasn't cuckold like he was cuckold in the moment but it wasn't just like oh like you know like it wasn't a thing like where dude is just like some mopey dude and like yeah yeah get, get, you know get some you know get some good stiff dick like it was like oh no i mean you know, she loves him. She loves him, but like she just yeah. got burnt out because she wasn't there, and she ended up seeking some other companionship. And it's like, and okay, it, there yeah. are people who, you know, just obviously, I think we probably all know people in real life who, um, through divorce, it's like, no, you know, we're still friends. Like this, she's still my best friend. I just, I can't be married to that person. Like we're not, we're not a good, a fit man and wife, but you know, she's still a part of my life, or whatever. And I think there are some people who are really well. Do work really well together, 
they just shouldn't be married. And that happens. I don't necessarily think that this relationship is like that. I mean, they don't have any children, but even, even after they're done with each other, you know, she's trying to, she's, she's, she's literally cleaning her house and, and, and just trying to start over. And, Ray's still a part of her life because of 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 his his equipment his and 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 his experiments and um, I also think that part it, it is me just reading into it the way it played out I I do believe she almost wanted to be caught so that she wouldn't have to feel guilty about going on behind his back. Cause mm-hmm. she could have, she could have, you know, just parked the car and got out of it and walked home. She, she could have done a million different things instead of sitting in the driveway, still in Paul's arms, knowing Ray. Well, you know, Ray was home, but she's, she, she put herself in a position where I really could be found out here. And, and, and she was, and, and it, 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 it was finally out in the open and they can move on past it. Now, nobody's lying to each other or hiding anything. Um, so I think, I, I think she kind of just not manipulated it, but she definitely put things in, she put things in motion where we could get to Ray moving on with his life, but then both of them moving on. with him. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm going to have to agree with that because, um, for all of her faults, Jean uh, is not unintelligent. No, she is not. She's Absolutely. very, very sharp. And yes. for her to display her infidelity in the driveway of her home, like that's either extremely lazy uh, infidelity uh, or you are just begging to get caught. And I don't think she's lazy, and I don't think she's unintelligent. So it had to have been an effort on her part to, f- like, throw herself in front of the train, right? Just Or rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, that's a better analogy, right? Um, because she elevates herself to such a high plateau. She demands respect. She demands adulation. Like, she's reading the book later on in, in, in the the series in the, the the first special she's reading the book that was written um and when she gets to her part she scrutinizes every comment and the 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 writer is just gushing with adulation for her and she's still picking apart his words like up oh, there it is you know he he compared her to helen or troy of something yeah. or something and she was waiting for it and then the angel part and he's like okay so she's extremely attractive She's um, a, a very beautiful woman. So she's used to that aspect of of attention. But then she's very smart on top of it. So, yeah, she thinks very, very highly of herself. So I think that she has a refusal to admit her wrongdoings. But I know, I so, like I, uh, I know somebody <laughs> like that. <laughs> but that's why i agree with you that she, yes she has a she she's totally against admitting any kind of wrongdoing but she agreed to the car being parked in the driveway yeah. while she was sucking face with paul like that's that's just not something a character of her intelligence level would do if they and, didn't want to get caught right and and adding to that human aspect of it there she she either feels guilty or 
because when Ray's like when Ray's talk when Ray thinks he's talking to himself out loud, hoping that maybe you know she'll hear him, but she's pretending to be asleep. So he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna just there's some things I need to take care of. I'm leaving for a while. Uh, this way, you know, we can kind of sort things out." And and as he's walking out, you know, she does tear up a bit. So there's uh, there's yeah, an ending there. there that there, could there, be there, frustration. Whatever. I, no, no, no. Not, not not the way Gil draws the face. The, the expression there doesn't really. Yeah. But I just it's, I find her incredibly unlikable. Yes. I, and, I, and, and you know why? I said, I right. Think I, There's reasons why I don't like this character. Yeah. Other than you know whatever, but um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I just think it's uh, she's ten foot tall and bulletproof all the time, like impervious to any kind of criticism. Um, set in her ways. She's going to do what she wants to do regardless of, of popular opinion. But, I mean, you could hate all of that if the person was of average intelligence or or uh, and all the, the other things that go into the Gene Loring package. But she's smart and she's resourceful and she's good at what she does and she's beautiful. So, I mean, it's difficult to... to um, uh, wrap my head around what Ray must be thinking, where he's just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if that were, if that was myself, and I was in the situation, he's just like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to the Amazon for a little while. Let's cool off. Like that's not an option. The option would be like, I have saved, I have helped save the world many times. It, like seriously, I'm I'm one of the Justice League, and and. This is something that I, I need to do in order to, you know, I, I help the world maintain. And so you're comparing the fact that you don't have someone at, at home all the time with the fact that I'm helping the planet. Right. How do you even balance that? I, I would just say, no, I'm done. See ya. I'll find I'll find some gorgeous yellow skinned red haired beauty in the frog riding chick and you're done. But anyway. Uh, let's get into the issues before we we go too deep. <laughs> before we go too deep, just on the first five pages. Yeah. Uh, so in the first issue, uh, the setup is that Ray Palmer catches his wife Jean cheating on him with a man named Paul Hoban. Uh, so uh, as we said, the, the decision was raised to throw himself into a project in South America. In order to spend some time away from his wife, you know, maybe absence would make the hearts grow fonder, maybe rekindle the marriage. But uh, the impetus for the, the project is he, Ray is searching for a fragment of a white dwarf star, a meteorite. Uh, and it's the same stuff that, eventually, that back in the day led him to become the atom. And uh, he uses the scintillation detector, which I had one of those. Uh, it's a device that got him in hot water with his wife to begin with. Remember, we said about the the money Ray Ray diverts funds to buy this expensive uh, piece of equipment instead of sharing said money with his wife and doing stuff that married couples do when they have a windfall. But anyway, so uh, Ray hires a couple of uh, ne'er do wells to fly him to the Amazon. And there's a little bit of uh, subterfuge because these uh, ne'er-do-wells are tr- desperately trying to hide the fact that they, they're involved in the production of cocaine. And they wanted to keep the coca fields a secret 
in the plane uh, en route to where Ray wants to go. The plane will fly over these uh, coca fields. Uh, and to make things even worse, a, a nasty storm is brewing, right? So Ray's doohickey does its thing, and uh, storm's brewing, and they're getting too close to the, the, the coca fields, and things go south very quickly. Um, and one of the thugs cold cocks Ray and takes his ring. So Ray eventually assumes the guise of the Atom, takes care of the ring snatcher, but not doesn't retrieve his ring. That's a very important plot point. And as they're in the kerfluffle, the, uh, the pilot is shot, and the plane begins to plummet. So you have this giant storm brewing. The plane is struck by lightning. Ray's hanging on to the side of the the plane and the wind is blowing and pssst, he gets zapped and he he plummets to earth uh and because of the uh massive uh electrical discharge he doesn't have control of his size or mass anymore he's stuck at six inches um so when he uh gets the lay of the land He's stunned because he encounters a uh, a tribe of yellow-skinned, diminutive people that uh, they ride frogs, which I thought was awesome. Like, who doesn't love a frog-riding semi-barbarian? Um, the, there's a, a, a fortress called, and I'm going to butcher this. Jason, maybe you can direct me to the right pronunciation of this. Is it Morley, the castle fortress? I wouldn't know how to tell you if you're right or wrong. I yeah. I, yeah. I always I in my head it's always been um more laid. Yeah. Well, it's always good to get more laid. But anyway, yes. um and, and this uh just so happens that uh, there's a beautiful princess uh Lathwin, and we're introduced to uh, see things are not copacetic among this tribe. There's a rebellion going on. And the uh, the monarch, a man named Kalik, uh, he's not exactly very high on the public opinion polls, uh, for good reason, because there, there there's a, a group of rebels, of which uh, a man named Taran is the leader. That you know they're just not taking it anymore, and and they've split from the the main group, and they're doing things to undermine the uh, Kalik's uh, rule. And things kind of soured between Taryn and Kalik when the former asked for the latter's daughter's hand in marriage. And Kalik wasn't having it. And Taryn was banished to the jungle. Uh, he flaps his jaw a little bit too much for Kalik's liking. And uh, he, uh, once he's in custody, he has the rebel leader beaten for his transgressions. And uh, this is once, I mean, things dovetail very quickly. Um, Ray meets the, the rebels. The rebels are rounded up by uh, the forces of Kalik, and they're brought in. And, and so K Taren starts flapping his gums, and he's beaten. And the kid uh, and Ray um, are eventually thrown into a rat-infested dungeon for his efforts, Right. But uh, the plane that 
took or that conveyed Ray to this part of uh, the Amazon crashed and burned. The two ne'er-do-wells died, horribly burned. Bodies, uh, you know, uh, consumed beyond recognition. But the only means of identification was Ray's stolen ring. So now Gene thinks Ray died in the crash. And that's roughly where the issue ends. Um, nice cliffhanger with the rats. But uh, I think the setup is great. Um, political unrest always gets my attention. when you, yeah. yeah, right? When you have a, a group that... Uh, both groups actually are are convinced that they're doing the right thing, and early on, uh, who's to say that they're both not right? Because we've we've yet to be introduced to that character that pretty much confirms that the rebels have the right idea. Uh, and I, I thought that, you know this is a, this first issue really hooked me back in the day because you had the whole. Um, massive status quo change for the atom i mean hopping around and the costume's great but yep. but hopping around on a frog beautiful princess um the warring tribes of of these beings uh will reveal exactly what they are next issue but i i just thought the setup was superb uh surprisingly so because i would never have expected back then an atom miniseries to be anything like this <laughs> i i um i i love that it's convenient that uh his cowl ripped at the just the right spot but oh yeah it, i mean i've when you have it, it it it's not something that bothered me but it was always weird for me to see somebody with their entire head covered except their ears are sticking out and and whether it's cyclops or captain america or even um or even even Adam. Luckily, with Cyclops, he had the visor to cover his ears. But it was with 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 Adam, and you know the whole red and blue. I dig that look. You know, works on Spider Man, works on Superman. Um, but as soon as I saw the cover of the first issue with with, with now his old headgear reduced to just the mask over his eyes, and and you see his hair, I I that just a good look i i I was i was in love i i really really dug the new look i mean even without the the um any loincloth or 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 barbarianish accoutrement it it was still i (laughs) like the change in uh in in his costume but i had to giggle even back in the day because um ray arrives in the proximity of these uh diminutive warriors and he's attacked by a snake yeah a giant snake well well a giant because ray's six inches tall <laughs> but uh i thought wow totally out of the blue for gil kane to draw a giant snake you know, you know gil was like listen i don't care what i'm drawing next i just need to draw some snakes right I mean, it could have been you know space cabbie as long as he could draw, <laughs> i'll draw space snakes but you know it works with adam and I, he's also it's not like this is his first time drawing at him, so it's it it absolutely it was, it was fitting. But no, you're right, you're right, Vince. As long as you know, where else, where else but a jungle? Because that's exactly the type of environment where you know Gil gets to have fun with. I mean, yeah, I think plus, it's a rider in his contract. Whenever you hired Gil Kane, you had to have a snake <laughs> or or some kind of giant um, reptilian thing, and and always 
a fetching last. The man, I if this, I I absolutely adore a Gil Kane drawn female. Yeah, and there's a lot of skin in these books. <laughs> Yeah, they get away with a lot because he'll have Lathwin, um, you know, on her belly with her ass up in the air, and he draws the loincloth that just covers just enough and lets the <laughs> the buttocks show. And it's like, damn, Gil, you you had a real knack for anatomy. I gotta this, say, this 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 miniseries came out at just the right time of my young age. But I never, <laughs> I never thought. Uh, when I first read this, like, I never thought, why are these people yellow? The first issue didn't dawn on me that I thought maybe it was creative coloring, right? Uh-huh. Or, or just th- that's the, the, this, the skin coloration that, you know, this group had. Like, I didn't think, uh, about their origins and, and their origins are explained in the second issue. But, uh, before we move on to the second, Jason hasn't, commented on the first issue so the first issue overall i thought was good but i have to say i was perplexed and gobsmacked at ray being so unworldly and naive that he commissions these 'er (laughs) ne'er-do-wells like in their rickety plane to fly to South America, never realizing that it may be shady. And I'm like, dude is a world renowned scientist. He's a genius of epic proportions. And he's a member of the justice league. Like Bruck couldn't have been like, yo, Batman, can you drop me off in South America real quick? Or like, Oh, the Supes, Superman. He, yeah. Yeah. Suits or wonder woman. Can I borrow the invisible jet? Or like he couldn't have built like his own transport. Like, I don't know. Like, so I was like, Oh man, this is like hard. Like, like I know there were smart, dumb people, but like, I don't know. It felt it felt weird to me, but like I mean, it's obviously just a plot contrivance. It's just meant to set up, like it's just the it's just the vehicle in place to to get him to the right. new status quo. So like it wasn't a big deal, but I'm like, man, I'm like my dude gets cuckolded and he's a dumb motherfucker. It's like it's like <laughs> this think... ain't the Ray that I thought that was the Ray. I, I, was, no. I don't think it's fair to call Ray a dumb motherfucker. No, but... no. In the first issue, though, I thought he acted like a dumb motherfucker. Like he well, he gets on this plane and then he's like, oh. I, like he was totally taken aback by the whole thing, and then he gets popped. Like I, I'm like, bro, like you didn't see this coming. Like, do, like you never, you didn't know the drug trade. Like, like, oh, like wait. this didn't seem weird to you. This didn't seem sus. Like you had to, like, did you find these guys in the back of the yellow pages? Like, no. Like, what? The, the only reason why Stranad uses the plane is to have the ring found. So you see, no, that, that's what I'm saying. I know yeah. it was a plot device, but but like they could have done it in a different way, right? Like they could have. They could have made it so that we we didn't have to suspend our belief that one of the smartest human beings on the planet wouldn't have seen that situation as being a little bit risky or suspect. I, I admit that there could have been a more creative way to get the ring found, but I struggle to to devise any kind of event. Uh, so what if what if Batman took him? Uh, would the bat plane go down and you no, know like see, the, well this, uh, or did, if this, like so well, did, he could he could have been in the atom mobile and fucking lightning hit it or something like i mean it, it could have been something that didn't make you think this motherfucker doesn't have any common sense an atom mobile <laughs> it it does i mean it is one of those situations where it's like so you're going to he just 
I took that to be, and and I'd have to go back and and reread some of the earlier Adam stories from from the sixties and seventies, but um, it, that that to me just played into his um, his his insulated ignorance or 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 privilege, where it's like you know why wouldn't why wouldn't he assume that these guys are on the up and up because he's hiring them. It's like, listen, you know, I'm paying right, you, shut right. up and do what you th- do. Good, what I'm that, that, you do. That's a good bridge. I don't know that uh, they intended it that way, but I like what you're no, saying. No, no. And, and, but it, you know, as far as, you know, asking one of the other members of the justice league, I mean, we, we, we could spend all day talking about, you know, here's, here's a random issue of captain America. It's like, he couldn't ask Tony to, to, to help find out where Deathlock is in the sewers. Like he had to go down there. And so it is, it's, it is one of those things where, you know, well, it's it's a solo adventure. It, it's it. Plus, I mean, if we really want to dig into it, I could just start laying things on like, well, if he flies in Superman's cape pouch down to the Amazon, and Superman's like, so how are things with you and Gene? It's like, you know, I really don't want to get into that right now. Like, so, I mean, he just wants to, I don't want to fuck around with the Justice League. They don't need to know my business. I'm, I'm you know, I, I walked it on my wife and I just, I can't. I'm not in the mood to answer anybody's questions, so I'm just I'm doing my thing. <laughs> and and, and Superman on the way back stops off at the the Palmer residence and hits that. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you, oh, come yeah. on, she's you know, a good super, looking Superman woman. Gets in where he fits in, you know. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. he wasn't married then, you know. <laughs> oh, he and Lois have an understanding. Sure, that's right. Sure, just not Lex. Anybody but Lex. Anybody I just don't understand how not to be the end on a tangent, but like. It's Superman. He could have any woman in the world and he picks Lois. Really? That's love, like, man. Nobody can figure it out. She needs a sandwich, yeah. though, man. Like, there's some <laughs> nicely well-rounded, full-figured ladies out there from a man. It's like... Yeah, I would think Barda would be the one, right? Yeah, dude. Because I, I, I would know. save Diana for Bruce. So bad. I love it. Yeah. Oh, Diana's God. definitely for Bruce. Yeah, they're the main That's they're, they're that's the dream top. couple. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, uh, issue two. Our heroes are beset by a pack of very very hungry rats. Uh, no doubt. But but someone comes to their aid, an unlikely source. Uh, Kellex advisor, Deregis, saves them by dropping a gas canister into the 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 pit. And uh, Kalik calls him, you know, he didn't consult Kalik before making the move. And, you know, when he's called out, he's like, oh, oh, oh your excellency, the, the two would make excellent gladiators and, and they'll they'll provide entertainment for the people and you'll be beloved. And I think this is the right move. And he's like, but you didn't ask me before you did that. And he's like, oh, no, no, I, I, my, my mistake. I, I sh-. That was Jimmy Stewart almost. Um, my mistake. So I, 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 sh- I should have asked you, but I didn't. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. So um, Ray, then we, we later find out, like, this is brutal shit that, um, you know, Ray's on the mend a little bit. A couple weeks go by or whatever. And, uh, true my dude to learns the language. Yes. He is oh, smart. He's smart. He's smart. True to his word, um, Ray is uh indoctrinated into the gladiator life and, and he's 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 forced to fight. But who does he have to fight? Wouldn't you know it? Taryn. But Taryn is not um 
he's not at the top of his game, let's just say, because <laughs> he's been blinded. Uh, by the light. No, his eyes have been gouged or um and when one when the 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 bandage comes off and the people see that that taryn's been been uh, mutilated they're not happy the people are just pissed off um in so much so that they they rise up and um they blame it naturally on the monarch calic and uh, you scumbag look what you've done this is too extreme even for you how could you do this and so the 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 uh, political tide uh, political opinion has turned uh, even more it swung very very far in opposition to to Kalik. and uh, it turns out that that Kalik didn't blind Terran. it was uh Darius who did it now, why would the, the king's, the monarch's advisor do this? Well, he, he's, he's trying to stir instability to get the people to move against Calic, and then he's going to swoop in and save the day and be beloved and assume the role of monarch, right? And my, by the way, I don't know if uh, George R. R. Martin or anyone that casted Game of Thrones <laughs> read this series, but like that dude is Varys to a T. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. With his balls, but yes. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, it's like I was like, oh shit. I don't know yeah, what that means. Varys is one of the main characters in Game of Thrones, and he was a eunuch, but he was the looked just like that. He was he was he was the man behind that. Like he was a conniver, you know. He was yeah. of, of service, but like was always conniving and making moves behind the scenes. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So we have chaos. Um, People rising up against the king, just just massive instability in the, the, the arena. Shit's hitting the fan. So in the chaos, uh, the trainer, uh, a man named Porager, who bears no loyalty to, to Kallik, he leads the pair uh, to Princess Lathwin, who's waiting with a frog mount. All right, I get to ride a frog. Um, so, so Porager holds off the king's guards while the trio hop away and uh Kalik is as confused as anyone by what's going on he's like why do the people feel like this against me i don't understand i mean i i, I try and and be a a just and and an able monarch like i don't i don't get it um he doesn't know what uh Deregis is doing behind the scenes uh so we get the the scoop the real scoop about uh the yellow-skinned people, directly from Princess Lathwin's mouth. They're aliens. Uh, Morlade was a penal colony. Mm, as, and their home planet essentially abandoned them. They they set forth among the stars, eventually landing on Earth, and, and they established a, a settlement, and but unfortunately, separated from the you know their home planet, with each new generation much of their technological advancement and, and, and their science, their, 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 their learning, it was lost. Uh, and they eventually slipped into barbarism. Uh, and the group split into warring tribes. And, and Kalik was trying to unite the tribes. They got to get all our people together. But Deregis was war hungry. And uh, you know wanted the the seat at the throne for himself. He's the spanner in the works. He's the worm in the apple. 
manipulating both sides, um, not only the monarch, but his subjects. So um, Deregis orders Porager for his part in that he played in getting the, the princess Adam and Taryn away. Uh, he orders him crucified, not biblical crucifixion. It's more it's a benevolent crucifixion. There's a nice little platform on the cross <laughs> <laughs> that he's standing on and they're not nails in his hands. There's like manacles. So I'm assuming that it would be extremely uncomfortable, but not life threatening. Yeah, I mean, standing there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But um the bad part was that they're um not giving him any water. So he's he's dehydrating. And um, it's part of the plan because the people believe that it's Calic doing this to Porager and they hate him even more. They see the trainer on the cross and uh, again, oh God, how could this guy be so so mean and, and hateful? And so Duregis comes and he brings the prisoner water. Oh, I, I have sustenance for you, young man. He brings him, brings him some water and... Uh, in doing so, the the he stirs thoughts of rebellion among the those that are semi loyal or still on the fence, right? Uh, even in the rebels, the Terran believes that one of his dudes is a traitor, that he's loyal to to Kalik, and he's he's right. Um, and this issue ends with uh, one of the rebels, a guy named Voss, who definitely has eyes for Princess Lathwin. He kind of blindsides Ray. Mm-hmm. He calls him out like, you're the traitor. It, it's completely out of the blue. And uh, that's roughly where this issue ends. Um, they, they come to blows. And there's another giant lizard thing in this one, which is awesome. Go, go Gil. But... Um, yeah, they they come to blows, and then Gene at the end is all lonely and shit, and gives Paul a call. He gives Paul Paul a booty call to come on over. It's late, but let let's do what we do. But I think the relationship between Voss and Ray is is really neat because they start off hating each other. Yeah. But Ray realizes that this guy is putting basically putting his life on the line for the rebellion, calling me out, thinking I'm a traitor, coming to blows with me. Like he doesn't know I could kill him. I could I could snap this dude's neck. He um, and uh, he eventually accosts Ray with a poison tipped arrow, and that's where the the issue ends roughly. But uh, the relationship develops over the course of issues where they, uh, they may not like each other, but there's a mutual respect between these two guys, which I, I thought, again, it's, it, it's, it's not the standard um, antagonist versus hero. It's like, yeah, they're, they're both not exactly uh, pleased with each other as people, but they don't care in the face of the rebellion like they're doing what needs to be done even though they don't like each other very much i think that's great like there's there's shades of gray there it's not just you know hero villain or 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 co-fighters in this this rebellion there's 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 a little bit of finesse in this relationship which i like it i think it's great It, it it completely fits with the way uh stranaud has 
dealt with interpersonal relationships in this book. Nothing is traditional at all. It 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 makes sense in 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 the sense that um, you know instead of someone coming in and becoming leader or having everybody look up to them, he's still you know Voss is of the people. He he's 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 one of them. Ray is still Adam is still an outsider. More you know, regardless of of how accepted he may be, he's still not a member of the tribe. So to 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 put somebody in charge, I mean, yeah, Adam could be a great strategist and and use his scientific mind to to his group's advantage. But when it comes to training. The soldiers and 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 putting everybody where they're best situated, uh, where they're best suited. That's that's perfect for Voss. Ray Ray absolutely. Um, and it's not he's not doing it to be manipulative or playing anybody like a fiddle. It's just he, it it just makes sense. It's common sense. It's it, to get a to get ahead, take advantage of your resources, and that's exactly what Adam is doing. Right. Yeah. Jason, what do you think of this issue? Well, I I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm the guy that's uh, throwing throwing uh, shade on. The issue is great, other than the fact that we got like a four page redrawing and retelling of what yes. happened in the first issue. Oh yeah. yeah, it's like Shooter wrote it, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, dude, it like it's it was one issue ago. Like this wasn't like a year ago or in some other series. Like you you literally just. Like you took the recap page and like made it a mini series. Like I, 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 know, I love and it. I was like, ooh, but no, but like again, like much like with the plane thing, like those four pages were like a head scratcher. But like, but overall, the issue was great. And like you said, I mean, I think the 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 power of this series really is that um, there's depth to all the characters. You know, they're it, they're not just archetypes. And I was a little worried going in in the sense that you know i'm not a huge huge pulp fan and i was like thinking like is this just going to be like another like john carter of mars situation like <laughs> and i know you're scoffing because you're like that would be great but like yeah. i'm like, <laughs> ah, I'm like uh, you know I, like and 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 i think the thing i like most about this is that the characters are all uh they have depth and there are they're they have you know they have dimension to them and they have uh, divergent motives and they're not just they're not just placeholders for good or bad or despot or hero like I, I i like that they're 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 people they have they have cross currents emotionally and and motivation wise and I, I think that's really well spelled well played out and i i i think that makes this a better than average loincloth and sword story because, yeah. because I, I mean, I, I know, you, I know it's your like favorite. Show. I, you know, for me, it's I, I'm generally not a fan of most of that kind of storytelling. Like, I, I, I feel like most of them, it's like I've seen one, I've seen them all, and and this has depth to it that I very much appreciated and was pleasantly surprised by. It's entirely fitting that you mentioned uh, Warlord of Mars because this story parallels what Burroughs did with uh those characters i mean ray is john carter lathwin is deja thoris there was unrest in helium there were there's a there was a rebellion like this is not very far removed from edgar rice burroughs 
specifically Warlord of Mars. So, yeah, props to you for, for picking up on that. Not even <laughs> being a fan, but yeah, it is. Um, well, I saw the movie. The um, uh, yeah, the, oh, uh, I did. Yeah, that's movies, right. what was the name of that dude? They, they were trying to make a star out of him. Um, oh, he's yeah. he's great in the role. And uh, wasn't it Silver Fox uh, or Silver, um, Silver from Moon? from Wolverine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I forget her name, but she was great. Yeah. I th- I think the movie got a, a bad rap. It, it's a, I think it's a phenomenal movie. Was it Taylor Lautner, or is that not? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, is it Kish? Taylor Kish. Taylor Kish, yeah. Yeah. Tyler would, Kish? Tyler. Maybe, yeah, I think it's Tyler. He would have made a great Winter Soldier, I think. Oh, oh, it's Taylor. It is Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, with the A. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. But anyway, we digress. So uh, uh, Jason hates it. and uh, <laughs> No, not at all, dude. Not at all. Right. No. Part of me, I, I do wonder, um, because if you notice the credits, this was conceived by Gil. And Jan wrote it. I wonder if this is a situation where, you know, Gil sat down and said, this is what I want to do. And Jan just put words in people's mouths. So me, which is why I'm thinking, you know, maybe because there are splash pages, there are recaps, there, there, there are full page spreads of just, you know, people letting you know what just happened three pages earlier. So I wonder, and as much as I love the man's art, I don't necessarily know if Gil is such a deft comic book writer i you know his name is savage is what it is but you know gil hasn't written a ton of work so i wonder if this was just him having some fun doing his thing and and maybe jan was trying to make sense of it this is completely just conjecture yeah, i don't i don't know i think i i would think i mean having read all this stuff there seems to ver- be a very clearly delineated goal with each of these issues uh, I, I i don't think this is an off-the-cuff anything i think that they're 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 very deftly conceived maybe gill said hey let's do some kind of barbarian thing if you're up for it you know i'll do it because if you look at this art this is a lot like it could have been creatures on the loose Right, it could have been any any of the sword and sorcery stuff that Gil uh, drew yeah. over the years. It, it's very close. Like maybe he had an affinity for that stuff. If he didn't, he sure lied very well on the page. Right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so issue three, uh, the the battle between Ray and Voss, you know, it it, it eventually peters out because the, the, I think both of them realize that they're. Each other were upstanding dudes. Eventually, Ray selects Voss as his second in command for the assault on uh, Morlaid. But um, back at at the city, uh, Deregis is he he wants to fire up this thing called the Star Drive, this this bit of uh, then ancient technology that they forgot how to use. Because as we said, going to the first issue, as each new generation uh, was born, the old ways the 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 uh math and the science and all that stuff it was wasn't passed down it wasn't taught so it was forgotten and uh, calix like what are you talking about this is a a piece of technology that we don't even understand anymore how could you risk whatever may happen by 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 
igniting this machine. Um, and Dre just is, is uh, I've had people pouring over the old manuals, manuals and they're, they're tinkering with this thing. And, and again, Calix like, the fuck are you doing, my dude? Like, I did not give you any, um, I didn't give you a pass on this. I didn't tell you to do it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Um, so Kayla kind of freaks and he forbids any further tinkering with the machine, but, uh, Deregis doesn't comply. Like he's had, he, he's very much like Gene when he gets his, his head, uh, fixated on something, he's going to do it. Right. Uh, speaking of Gene, she heads to Brazil and she's certain that Ray is still alive. Wouldn't it be just like Ray to die but not die just to torture me like it's all about her but anyway yep. yeah uh adam Meanwhile, and the... she's, she's doing all this like after getting absolutely plowed by oh right Paul. yeah he's coming out of the shower all happy and stuff he's just like what wait what you're going where like am, am i not good enough for you yeah he, she's uh, she's betting Tony Stark lookalike, and then now you know she's going back for she's for her using the Paul Tashi rolls. Yeah, I, I I just don't understand this woman. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so Adam and the rebels they're preparing for war, uh, but it's disrupted because out of the blue, uh, a bird excitedly bursts through their little discussion and uh they're like oh shit adam's like what it's a bird and they're like "Uh uh-uh that's a signal and this all-consuming wave of ants just pours over the landscape Uh, unfortunately good old taryn is blind so he is a anchor he's a dead weight he's gonna be holding everybody down and putting them in harm's way just because they're going to take care of him and he doesn't want that. Um, so he knows he's useless to the rebellion. Uh, even worse, he knows that he's putting everybody at risk. So what does good old Terran do? He flings himself into the wave of ants, this pulsing onrush of consuming creatures. And he commits suicide. When I read that, I, originally, the first time I read it, I was like, I had to read it again. I'm like, wait a minute. Huh? This character just ended his own life in the service of the rebellion. And and yep. without a thought, just because they, they were trying to climb this tree to get out of the ant's way, and the ants are following them. And, and there's a point where Taryn's just like, ah. And just flings himself into the uh, the wave. I, it, it's heart wrenching, but much respect. I mean, he really believed in the rebellion. He believed in the rebellion, and I, I think there's also the whole. Um, you know, he's blind. He, he's no matter how good of a fighter he was, he can't see. So right. it's you know, I'm I'm. Not half a man, but I'm not the man I used to be. So you know, finding a cannibal, sing him out, and and it's just it's it's a situation where he does sacrifice himself so that that his friends and his lover can get to safety. Right. Um, 
I I stared at that panel forever when 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 I read the issue years ago. I seeing him leap from the tree branch and and just land. But I mean, I I just I mean I, I could just gush about Gil's work forever, as you know. But I mean, I I, I love the man's sense of perspective and and just seeing seeing him leap down. Um, yeah, it was it was startling because I did because he was also a character that that I liked. It's not like oh it's Voss okay well oh well but it, it's a character that, and and Voss would have been a mistake because eventually you know he does he does prove his worth and and oh yeah it, you may initially feel something feel some animosity towards the dude and you don't want him around but he absolutely serves a purpose but but Taron is is somebody who you feel for because yes he 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 has been handicapped by. Um, by by the king's advisor and and you, you don't want to see somebody like that gone and and it it is for the greater good um yeah but to just decide to end your own life like that's a that's a major leap no pun intended right no pun intended, but yeah and 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 what gets you though is that like it wasn't it wasn't necessarily sudden or someone just took him out i mean he gets to he gets to tell that oh you know you were you were a good friend uh peace and you know coffin drops his way out and, and it's just it's yep. peace out yep it, it's also a testament to his love for lathwin too right because right. he knows that he again he would be useless he wouldn't be able to protect her at all right so he's like yeah i think she's she's got this adam guy you know i'm, I'm left to wonder if sternod has issues with women because it took four pages <laughs> From her lover committing suicide to save them. Yeah. To professing her love for the Adam. Four pages. But, uh, well, hey, they're going to pursue happiness. Right. And and, and, and it does. Okay. He, he does. It is written <laughs> in a way where, you know, she's just like, listen, we learn to live in the moment. You don't. Nothing's guaranteed. I read the book, too. I but, yeah. so, but, it, it is, but, but I did. You know, you could also read his. Um, his his story from uh anything goes drawn by uh gilbert hernandez and and it is you know it his the woman he's with uh who has an ex-husband and and a son um you know she kind of treats jan kind of the way like almost like the way gene treats ray in this it's it's you know she does kind of talk down to him and and you know he's like he's he's he, jan's trying to make himself bigger than he than he is like, you, know, you do you basically you know you're just you're a writer and in that regard a writer of comic books but it is but but i to your point chase yeah there, there part of me is is curious to know if um if there is something more to that there's there's duplicitous women in a lot of the uh stuff he did with corbin too but okay. but duplicitous and very self assured, like um, especially the, the the time travel stories. Uh, gorgeous, gorgeous blonde, buxom woman, and she doesn't hesitate to pursue her desires. Let's just say, yeah. I'm also convinced that if Gil were alive and well and and doing his business today, he would love Boundless because he would have loved the idea of having Photoshop. Because I guarantee he drew her in a lot of these panels naked, and then was like, "All right, let me throw some clothes on her." <laughs> and I'm not mad at that; like, I'm for yeah. that. But like, he would love having that little Photoshop layer, so he could actually like, "Oh, check, check out these titties." 
<laughs> yeah, that's nice. Gil Kane saying titties. I, I don't think so. Oh, what, why, what are you? Oh, you think Gil Kane didn't say titties? No, Savage was pretty raw. Now that I think about it, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But uh, Jason's right. Uh, not long after Taryn uh, commits suicide, Lathan <laughs> lifts her loincloth uh, figuratively and uh, professes her attraction for to Adam and vice versa. But it's not a scene that doesn't have um, a companion of sorts because that's exactly what uh, later on in the story, uh, Gene and Ray say to each other as well. They're like, look, this is just not working out. You know, let's let's pursue happiness. Uh, life is short. It's the same premise for the scene between Lathwin and, and, and Adam. Like, life is short. We should enjoy the time we have and not, you know, do the, 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 the thing that is demanded of us. Let's do the thing that we want to do. And I, you got to, I, I, again, much respect for that. But anyway, um, there, the spy within Terran's ranks alerts Deregis of the rebel leader's death. Like, as soon as, as Terran dies, dude's flinging an arrow um, into the city, and, and Deregis knows that uh, because uh, he, he assumes, anyway, that since Terran's dead, that these people are going to want to make with their rebellion too sweet. Because if it's not going to happen now, it's never going to happen. Um, and... Uh, a romance is kindled in this issue between Adam and, and Lathwin. And again, so now we have the setup. There's a giant crocodile. <laughs> it's good old Gil. He's got to tick that box off. We need a giant something. Lizard, crocodile, snake, got to have it. But I think the design for Lathwin is great. Um, and for the life of me, I was thinking... After I closed the book on uh, the third special, I don't think they've ever done anything with her after this. Have they? Uh, we will. We, we we will get to that when we get to the end of the book. Oh, they have. Mm, we'll get to that when we get to the end of the book. Don't tell me she's Tamaranian. No, no, All she's right. not orange. Well, no, but she she's an albino Terran. Yeah, I know. Yeah, maybe yeah. the coloring was a little off. Who knows? <laughs> But okay, so that's the third issue, and uh, it all comes to a head of sorts in the last issue, issue four of this miniseries. Um, moments before the assault on Morlade, the spy in the rebel ranks is revealed, and it's a dude named Beekus. Uh, and he lets everybody know, you know, it's not Kalik that's doing all this, it's Duragius or Duragius. He's the one that's really pulling the strings. And then there's another traitor. See, there's there's always a companion uh, concept in this thing. Uh, there's another traitor revealed. Porager told Kalik that Deregis is working to undermine him and assume his throne. But Deregis kills Kalik. Just flat out kills him, stabs him. And he rushes to to fire up the star drive and succeeds, right? But the, this is great. This is a wonderful comeuppance. 
the uh, the drive bathes him in radiation, just starts destroying his his uh, cellular structure. Um, and Voss redeems himself in a way because he plunges an arrow straight through Duragis's head. But I mean, if he didn't do that, the radiation would have killed him anyway, right? But he just ended his life sooner. And um, Adam rushes to shut off the uh, the star drive, but unfortunately, it's a little bit too late, and he's pelted with dwarf star radiation. The same thing that caused him to be the Adam in the first place, right? And because he's just absorbing dwarf star radiation at a ridiculous rate, he starts to grow. Uh, but the people they won't leave the city. I, I, I don't understand it. This this drive is spewing this beautifully uh, delineated crap into the atmosphere, and they just won't leave. So Ray takes it upon himself to start destroying shit that, you know, maybe in the chaos, these people take it upon themselves to get the hell out of the way, and they, you know, they eventually, they, they flee, right? But, but Ray's just had too much dwarf star radiation, and he blacks out, and he's naked, and he's back to normal size, and he, and he wakes up in a hospital, um, and the, uh, the administration there, they contacted Gene, and they said, you know, this could be your husband. And she comes in and picks him up and raises all pissed off and, and, and sad trombones because the woman he doesn't want to be with comes, comes to rescue, comes to his, his side. And the woman, he, the woman he does want to be with, Princess Lathwin, he doesn't know what's up. Is she dead? Is she alive? Did she run away? Is she okay? I got to find her. But he's got to go back and try and patch things up with his wife. But he doesn't want it. It, it, it's such a downbeat ending. Yeah. And totally unexpected, too. Like, none, none of this, these four issues play to the, the, the typical um, tropes and concepts that we all have, you know, digested over the years. Um, and you know that when uh, Jean gets the phone call from the people at the hospital, she's in the bed and shit. Like, Paul's in the bathroom. He has the to. Bathroom, man. He, he has to be. Um, but the the very the the page the the penultimate page is Ray just thinking like you know I gotta get back to my girl. She's yeah. out there in the jungle and she's scared and afraid and I gotta I gotta well she's not because she's strong but uh, she's all alone and I don't know what's up with her and I gotta find her because she, she's everything. But then Gene walks in and he's like ah. Oh. Fuck. I, I, I gotta get back to her because you know in about twenty more minutes she's gonna see somebody else and yeah for them. she'll she you know she'll do it with a cabbie or something or <laughs> <laughs> but talk about one of the I think it's one of the best DC miniseries I do yeah, sell me on it no I I I I mean stack it up against similar titles I think Camelot three thousand yo fuck that <laughs> but. Visually, I swear to God, you guys must get paid by some nah. political action committee to besmirch Camelot three thousand. Nah, like, that that was an orchestrated attempt to get people not to read comics. Like, let's do this fucking Arthurian thing. 
And then we'll we'll bore everybody to death, those Americans, and then we'll steal their chickens. I don't know what it was for, but it's terrible. But anyway. <laughs> Sorry. I love this miniseries. I think it's perfect. Your mileage, of course, may vary, but I think it's a wonderful piece of work. I've always really liked it. I always say that when we talk about books of a certain period of time, it's such a huge disparity in whether you're rereading it or reading it first. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm like, older than you. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is I'm just saying of, of, of this genre like or any genre, right? Like, like I never – like I totally get – like my son, Jackson, who's getting into comics now, right? Like if – you know, if I totally get if I said, "Oh, you got to read the Claremont Byrne X Men," and he's just like, "What's this Fakakta stuff?" You know, like <laughs> I would get that. Like I, like it would you no, know, because like it's just of an era, right? It's it's the, the the this era was full of just so much expository dialogue and yeah, you know, and 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 it doesn't read naturally. Like it doesn't. A lot of times they're not speaking in ways that you would think a person would speak for real, and 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 so. But yet, like, if you read it when it was coming out and you're revisiting it like that nostalgia bomb, that blanket wraps you up and you're like, oh, I used to shit, you know? But, like, if you're reading the exact another comic from exactly the same period of time, but you have no nostalgic attachment to it, you're like, the fuck is this? You know? So I was worried that this would this would be the latter for me yeah, because I didn't read it when it was coming out. And I can say that while it does have the same like expository structure and, and all that stuff that, that comics of that time period had, I found it to be really enjoyable, like in almost every way. And so I think that is a testament to the work because there are plenty of books I've read, especially coming late to the party with DC uh, in retrospect, like people saying, Oh, you got to read this, or this is a classic. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, and again, it's not, and I, I don't mean like, okay, like, Oh, it's not good. I mean like, okay, but I you had to be there. And this is this holds up, you know. I mean, is it is it, you know, is it my favorite miniseries or story of this genre? No, no, it's not. But but I really do think it was quite good, and I can see why you guys loved it, especially having read it as it was coming out. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the one and only misstep in the entire sort of the Adam canon, and uh, that's my opinion. I didn't. I didn't solicit that from. It's you. mystifying. Okay, the uh, Sword of the Atom special number one, 1984. Uh, same Just a year later. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, same creative team. Um, it is half of the book is torture to read. Flat out torture, because. Um, Ray's adventures have been documented in a book that everyone seems to be reading. It's called The Adam's Farewell. And um, Ray and mystifyingly, Jean is listed as co-author. Like she probably just nodded as as she was asked questions. Um, and, and someone called Norman Brawler wrote it. Um, and... Each panel is loaded with teeny tiny faux prose. Not, well, it is prose, but prose that, that looks like it was plucked from the pages of a novel or a, a, a biography, as this is. 
And it's just, uh, I like the fact that what's going on in the panels doesn't mirror what's going on in the prose, but I just thought half of this issue was a mind-numbing slog. Like, I almost didn't get through it back in the day, and I almost didn't get through it this time around either. If, if well, I, Yeah, I mean, I'm left to ask again. In 1983, you read the miniseries. We saw what happened. Why a year later do we need an, a special that recaps only with prose overlay what happened in the miniseries before like like what was the, what was the point of that like it re- it it just tells the same story over again like it's the exact same story only with less action and more talk it's like i'm i'm truly stunned why this exists i don't understand like i could understand if this was eight years later and they like wanted to remind people because they were going to do some of the action like oh we got to remind people about where he's been, what he's been up to with that, with that whole Children of the Adam, or the Sword of the Adam stuff. But like, this was like a year later. <laughs> like, like who read this that didn't read the thing before? I don't think that's entirely fair, because, like I said, there there are events within the panels that propel the story forward. That they aren't just recaps. They're 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 definitely recaps in the prose, but the panels. I don't think it's fair to say that, you know, this entire issue is just like a, one big recap because we get, we get Ray and Gene, you know, deciding to, to go their separate ways and pursue, um, uh, happiness, right? You're right. Most of it is just throwaway, but not all of it is throwaway. I think the fight with the cat is pretty cool. <laughs> Clearly, Gil wanted the chance to redraw the the, the panel with with uh, where he made Ray naked. Yeah, yes. I, you know Ray's got a tight little ass. I got to say, oh, Ray's in good shape. Yeah, oh, yeah. my man. Yeah, respect. Works that core. My man's putting a lot of peloton on miles in. You know what I'm saying? But no, but I mean, you get people accosting um, Paul over his. <laughs> That was a great that goddamn woman. Yeah. Oh shit. She and then she went on to construct the Incredibles costumes. Uh but <laughs> nice. <laughs> it, yeah, in terms of worth or worthiness to the entire sort of the Adam story, you don't really have to read this one. And I I appreciate it in the in in because we're getting we're getting other instead of you just reading the story and yeah we, we are just reading the story but but because of the way the book is presented this 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 piece of nonfiction, um we're kind of we're 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 getting a recap in their own words more or less so i didn't i i didn't i didn't just outright discount the whole issue it it was it was a bit silly um but I didn't, you know, I, at the time, and I guess rereading the the trade a few weeks ago, it, it was, it, it was a nice change of pace as far as just reading um, a recap from, from a who's who entry or, or a, uh, or, or just, it wasn't just laid out with Jan writing a story and Gil drawing it. We, right, the, the, right. The the, the the portions of the book kind of 
you know, flesh a little thing, some things out here and there. We 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 got you know some in between panels that we didn't see during the first mini. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, seeing everybody sitting around reading the book is as if uh, Every, and, and their reactions. Yeah, and, and everybody's reading. Like, oh my god, I know. It's like oh. I am back to court. Let me put the book away. It's it's yeah, as if it's the fucking Miller report. But it it it's it is a. Uh, I, I guess Ivy Town just doesn't have uh, a lot going on. But in any opportunity for Gil to do his thing, I'm not right. Right. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm an apologist, but it, yeah, it, it's it's it, there really isn't anything to defend here. But There's I'm, nothing I'm not, to apologize for. Yeah. Right. But but there are some significant developments in this issue. Uh, the the main being that whenever Ray alters his size and mass, he blacks out. It's very very painful because he he overloaded on dwarf star radiation, and now when he like I said when he changes when he shifts, he he can't stand the pain. It's 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 incredibly uh, uncomfortable for him. Um, that's one thing. The 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 second being that. Ray is eventually reunited at the end with uh, uh, the princess. So okay, it you know let's do another one because now we got every we got the band back together. Let's do another miniseries, but only but if it, you write in and tell us you want another one. And and even uh, but before that, um, obviously, we're, we're we're shown that Ray is trying to. I don't want to say be a good guy, but he, he's at least trying to live up to the role of of, of what a, a a husband is supposed to be or do. And you know, even even Jean to some degree, a little reluctantly, but you know, she's like, listen, well, let's let's see if we can maybe. And I, I'm pretty sure we already know her mind is made up, but she'll go through the motion. She'll she'll humor Ray, and and if Ray wants to pretend that our marriage can work, then you know we'll. We'll roll with it, and and as soon as the first opportunity comes up, she's gonna get her way. But you know, so yeah, he he he's like, yeah, let's we're gonna meet for dinner, and then of course, you know, he fucks around with an experiment and naturally blacks out. So now he's late, mm-hmm. and and he shows up for dinner, and and it's like Paul's date and Ray are completely standing there. With, with left out in the cold because Ray shows up and and Jean's attitude completely changes because now she's just instead of just having a night with with Paul and whoever this woman is Paul's hanging out with it and now Ray's here and oh yeah the, the, here's a reminder so she's we, e- we got- she's either the worst liar in the world like unable to to realize that in order to successfully lie you have to maintain the illusion she doesn't even give a shit like mm-hmm. yeah let's go out we're going out with paul and his girlfriend like what right yeah we can, can just, it be more obvious that right you just want to sp- i mean yeah we're going out but we're also going out with the guy i'm banging and yeah, I just, I just, it, she's just, just, just unbelievably brash like yeah his dick's been in me so <laughs> i'll bring him to dinner right can you pass me the bread whatever <laughs> But so so the second special uh, was released in 1985, and I think this should have been the first one 
they, they could have manipulated events to get Ray back to the princess. You know, what do you, what do you think? Maybe five pages would have taken it, right? He still would have had a good chunk to tell this story. Um, so Ray's back um, with the uh, Morladians, and uh, he's helping to build a new city, a new, a new stronghold. But there's, uh, they're beset by these these bandits on birds, same yellow skinned um, as the uh, Morladians, and they these bandits swoop in, and they take all the women, and they kill all the men, and they eventually call them skull riders, and I didn't understand why they called them skull riders. Um, but then they, they, they capture one of them, and it's revealed uh, that their leader, Torbal, uses brain implants to kill uh, captives. So, okay, I get it. They're called skull riders because they have a implant in their skulls, maybe? I don't know. Did you ever figure out why they call them skull riders? Didn't, I did. Didn't think I, about it either way. It didn't balance Yeah, I think I it's because of the implants. Like, what else could it be? Implants in the skull. So, okay. Um, and the only reason why this this captive was able to confess was because his implant was damaged in battle. And he's like, "Yeah, Torbal is is nasty and he's a despot." And so you're going back to the same wellspring from the miniseries, right? You have a person in power. Who is abusing that power, and um, his subjects, you know, they don't like it. But they 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 can't do anything about it because they all have implants. If they don't acquiesce to his, Torbal's wishes, he'll just, you know, activate their implants and, and kill them. Jean um, uh, wants to divest herself of of Ray by any means necessary. And so uh, that means getting all that that crap out of the house. Get all those those instruments and um, the, you know the, the cast offs from Reed Richards. Take them out. I don't want to see him. I want a new life. Get them out. And while they're doing that, some dumbass moving person uh, slips and hits just the perfect button, and Gene is shrunk to six inches and so she figures well you know okay i'm tiny whose stock and trade is that raise i gotta go find ray in the amazon maybe he can help me so paul and um uh brawler and gene because brawler knows where he left him off in the amazon they they head out and uh Right off the boat, they're accosted by the Skull Riders, and the Skull Riders take Gene. And J- Jason may be right because the panel where Gene is is clutched by the bird's talons, she looks a whole lot naked to me. One hundred percent, she was drawn yeah. naked there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and Paul asks Ray, you know. Can you help us out? It's because of you that we're in this mess because you left your stuff 
back home and now you got to fix this. Ray's just, what the fuck is going on with you? So he, Ray's like, all right, okay, here, take this belt in case you need it. You know, uh, Paul doesn't want anything to do with it, but he, he reluctantly takes it because it may be helpful. Uh, but the, I think the, the master stroke of this issue is that once the Skull Riders get Jean uh, back to home base and they throw her in uh, in prison, with whom does she share a cell? Lathwin. It's awesome that she should be thrown into a cell with her ex-husband's current squeeze, who's younger than her, by the way. You know, that's got to add insult to injury. That not only is this woman gorgeous, but yeah, she's she's not as advanced in age as you. <laughs> so no no wonder he loves her. But uh, yeah, and I mean, I thought it was a good issue, but it's pretty standard stuff, you know. In keeping with the the tone set by the first miniseries, you have a despot who's trying to lord it over his people and. Eventually, Paul uses the belt to alter his his size and mass, and he helps out. and And the the despot is killed in a very gruesome way. He doesn't get an arrow in the forehead as uh, Deregis did in the first miniseries. He gets an arrow straight straight through the mouth. So they put their arrows to good use in in the, this series, but. Uh, so Paul leaves with Jean. Everything's happy. Uh, Ray stays with Adam, and things are really good. And that's the end of the issue. Yeah. I mean, it's it's no big shakes, but again, I I gotta stress that no big shakes illustrated by Gil Kane are still pretty big shakes. <laughs> I think they're just trying to. Well, I I, I read it. They're um, because at the end of the first special, um, you know, obviously Ray slash Adam is happy where he is. Um, so the second special is Gene moving on, getting over Ray's involvement in her life. Um, she eventually marries course, Paul. Hijinks ensue. Yeah. Um, and and so you know it, it's. It almost like this issue almost made Gene Loring like on equal footing to, to Ray Palmer, where it's like, listen, you know, we Adam has his life and and we've established what he's doing going forward. But, you know, for for the three people who are really concerned about Gene, uh, we're going to let you know this is where her life is. And I always got a kick out of the second to last page where, you know, she's like, well, thank God, you know get rid of that fucking belt and and we can you know just just move on and and he's like yeah i wouldn't exactly say that and he's got the most devilish look on his face and and she's all and i'm wondering i'm like really like like ray never pulled any shenanigans shrinking down and crawling inside of you right i mean i'm wondering right? if this is where maybe mark miller got the idea from i don't know it's not it's not a completely um anybody perverted would have you come up with it, but it's yeah. I'm like just okay. Yeah, I see. I, 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 I see what you're doing. Paul. She's a shrew. She really is a shrew. Uh, <laughs> there's, I, I have, I have no love for that character. But you know what? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. 
right? True that. So at least she's happy or thinks she is until she goes on to identity crisis. But um, the the visuals, like, so in the first miniseries, and let's be honest, this doesn't reinvent the wheel. This is just a retread of stuff that has come before. Uh, the 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 antagonists may be different, but they're cut from the same cloth as the ones that preceded them, right? It 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 it, it plums the same depths as the first series. That, I I I'm not mad at that. It, if the formula works, keep trying stuff out, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that the the skull riders are on birds, that's just great. Like something as small as that just makes me love this and it's it's as jason said it's pulpy so i'm down with it i i i love this issue there's no great strides made okay but it's still very very entertaining mm-hmm. yeah it's in the third special that things get really disturbing um i'm uncomfortably so don't you think like if you had a rank the the uh, emotional resonance of each one of these issues. I think the third one takes the cake for just how nasty and wicked it is. That I mean, you get the thing that goes on with the kid. Like that's brutal. Yeah, yeah, especially with the fucking maggots. Yeah, yeah. His eyes and mouth are filled with maggots, and and dad has to. I mean, he, it's it's a scene straight out of Walking Dead, but. We're getting ahead of ourselves here. Uh, Ray and Lathwin discover Torbel's hidden lab. Right? The guy from the second special. And uh, Torbel, being resourceful as a, a, a very, very bad person, had the lab booby-trapped. And uh, stuff happens. Uh, a, a toxin, a plague... Uh, uh, some kind of a pestilence is re- released, and uh, Adam doesn't really know it right off the bat, but he he, he guesses that you know something's going to go down. But he gets in trouble with the new leader of uh, Skull City, Lord Drogo. Uh, it seems that ousting Torbel did very very little because Drogo is cut from the same cloth. Like, th- do these people not know that maybe electing if even that, but maybe uh, positioning one person, one entity to lead them all, make all the decisions for them, is really not a good idea. Like, you know, okay, so so you, you, it didn't work out with, with Kalik and, and, and Deregis. It didn't work out with Torbal. So, you know what? Let's do the same thing again. Like, maybe there's a commentary here that... that People just love to be manipulated by those in power. Like, yeah, there's uprisings and and rebellions, but at the end of the day, it seems like nothing is ever solved in these books. They just... New boss, same as the old boss, right? It's kind of disheartening in that respect where these people just seem to want to be led into a life of of subservience and misery. I don't know. That's what I get out of it. Because the same thing happens every 
every iteration in this thing. Maybe I'm reading something into it. I don't know. But so the stuff that was let loose from Torbel's lab uh, starts to get people sick. And, and they eventually succumb from said sickness. But that isn't it. <laughs> That's not the end of it. They eventually rise from the dead in a, in a, in a way. Um, Lord Drogo doesn't stick around for long. He, he uh, bites the bullet from the, the disease. But he comes back to life too. And, and the thing that, that makes me uh, say that this is the most, um, the darkest definitely of all of these issues is that there are children that succumb to the to the thing and um the boy takes out his own mother like she <laughs> she embraces him and he just rips the hell out of her neck walking dead style just bites into mom's jugular rips it apart and dad seeing what his son has done kills his own son and this this book doesn't doesn't tiptoe around it. I mean, you see it. Maybe not graphically. I mean, it's very it's a very bloody book. But um, and and one person's well, I mean, maybe let's just say it. Drogo's uh, burned alive or or burned undead in very very graphic fashion. Like his his stomach explodes in flame. I uh, like. Uh, flame spews from his every orifice it looks like it's not a pleasant book at all <laughs> it, it's really pretty uh pretty dark but eyes dangling out yeah maybe he, maybe just buried the lead what did i bury the lead that gilkane didn't draw it no this is well we said that going in um pat broderick drew this one same creative team uh with the exception no gilkane this time around, it was delineated by the great Pat Broderick. But uh, Dennis Jankey's on inks. I think they make yep. a great team. I uh, agree. I, I really enjoy Broderick's visual voice. I, I love his aesthetic. Uh, always have. But I think this issue ranks pretty high up there with his all-time best work. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean... This was around the time when when I was I I, I liked Pat's work on Micronauts, but uh, he moved over to DC with um, Firestorm, and I was there. I was buying Captain Adam when when that started. Yep. Uh, so this was you know I I was happy to see Pat on it. I mean it's also this the the cover date on this is 1988, so it's a couple of years after a little bit the. The second special. Um, so, for whatever reason, whether they just decided, "Hey, it, it's been a minute," let's, or it could have um, been something. It, it, DC may have wanted to um, just keep Adam in the um, in the readers' minds because shortly after this special. Um, Adam's new series started. So it could have just been something like, right. Not that this even launched into the new series, but, um, it, it's, I mean, we're not even talking about, you know, race, spiffy ponytail, but there's, there, there's just, 
there's I'm not sure what the behind the scenes attitude was why Gil didn't draw it why uh, they decided to go back to Sword of the Atom um, well Gil died 12 years later he died in 2000 yeah but 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 Gil did some work for Wildstorm so it's it's not like he wasn't active in yeah, this is true the 90s yeah. yeah I don't know why he didn't draw this I don't right. know I tried to do a little bit of research uh, as to why Gil Kane didn't draw this issue, but I couldn't turn up anything. I mean, there may be something out there, but it's probably buried in a a message form somewhere that uh, you know hasn't been crawled. But I, I don't know. I, I would love to know why he didn't do it. it it's just it's odd, right? That that he wouldn't do the what came to be the final special in in the series right that said i feel like i'm on youtube um roderick is no slouch no 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 No. no. um i mean it's slightly it's it's a different style but and actually there is one panel that um where i almost like thought that maybe they reused a, a a guild panel but um no i i i thought as for for the tone of the story i thought pat did a great job Visually, the, the 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 way Broderick draws pretty much everything, in hindsight, I can see why he succeeded Michael Golden on Michael mm-hmm. Nuts because the their their approach, the both men have pretty much the same approach to to sequential art, and not only. The pacing and the composition and the, but but the the, the uh, extremely dense amount of detail. Uh, the way Broderick draws human anatomy is really close to Michael Golden, Golden's. Um, they're they're kindred spirits, I guess. I want to say long winded, so it it shouldn't have been a surprise when Broderick turned up on Micronauts. And I think this visual representation here is a more refined Pat Broderick. Like it is, I love it. Uh, the 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 splash with um, the princess. She is absolutely stunning in that panel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you could see why Ray is so attracted to her because she's beautiful, right? And not only that, I mean, superficially, yeah, she's beautiful, but. There are other reasons. I, I, I like this issue a lot. Is it a fitting end to this saga? I'm not so sure. I, I think there's more miles left. Super weird issue, but like almost like an EC comic. But I liked it though. For what it no, is. it's good, right? But I, I don't. I think there was more fuel in this tank. Like they should have gone back to this, which begs the question. Dap knows he didn't let let. The, the facts loose when I asked him earlier, but so what happened to Princess Lathwin? Like, I've never seen her again. Um, and, and you kind of don't, um, you, she's in the flat. So after, after this, the following series, uh, this was, I was quite high on, um, 
on DC in the late eighties. And, uh, there were a couple of books that started, um, one was Starman by, with, with art by Tom Lyle. And, um, and I was the Will Payton Starman, And I was, I, I, I adored that book. Uh, I've never book, read a single issue. Oh my God. The Peter David issues are funny. Um, but, uh, the other book that I was buying regularly is, was, the Power of the Atom, and it was uh, it was written by Roger Stern, uh, penciled by Dwayne Turner, and the first issue, Adam Ray leaps out of a phone receiver held by Norman, who was of course the author of um, Adam's Farewell, this uh, the biography, and um, and Adam Ray explains what uh what had happened and basically um uh new Morlade had um it, they um they had recovered the white dwarf star fragment from the star drive from the first from the miniseries that that of course caused ray to grow um and uh but apparently this this is almost, this is similar to um, uh, Bill Mantlo giving you Puck's origin when uh, John Byrne was like, no, he's just always been a dwarf. But basically, uh, Stern had um, in the in the first issue said that uh, the uh, the Catharthans they did not know that they had been shrunk by the White Dwarf. Star, so they were as tall as 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 humans apparently before before landing on Earth or, or back at home. Um, so he uh, Ray was going to restore them to to their original height, but but things didn't go quite according to plan. Um, uh, shit happens, and and uh, and so Ray comes back to Ivy town. We don't, we see Lathwin in, in a flashback, but she's pretty much done until, and I had to find this out. Um, we don't see her again until she appears inside an indigo ring during blackest night. Because Get the she, fuck out of here. Yep. Lathwin appeared as a black lantern, but only inside of an indigo ring that Ray entered to chase down black lantern, Gene Loring. And that's the last we've seen. That's messed up. That's a very unfitting end for that character. It is. It it absolutely is. Especially to a character that Kinko created. But, uh, yeah. So, so why was that decided? What did that accomplish? Just the fact that they wanted to, nod to the past during blackest night like it's it's, it's so random I, yeah i don't know who wrote that issue maybe that was a jeff johns nod probably to, to, to the past i don't know but um but yeah so it's not so so she did you know ray ray at least they were kind enough to have ray remember her or at least cross paths in air quotes but um but yeah so so but that was um but once this the third special is the last real time story of 
featuring her that that we read once. Well, you once know the what? Power of the Atom starts off. We don't we don't go back to uh, Morley. Well, we got to get Tom King on the horn. If anybody can do a twelve issue miniseries, <laughs> no, seriously, is this not fodder for Tom King? An Adam twelve issue series taking him back to the Amazon, back to Princess Lathwin. Come on. <laughs> It's it's perfect. Look at what he's doing with Supergirl. Well, hell, look at what he's done with all these characters. Just out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come on, Tom. Get it done. So there, Jason, any closing thoughts? Pleasantly surprised. Oh, no, that's nice. Yeah, like I said, it, it is of its time, but I, I, I think it's definitely... Uh, a standout of of that ilk, you know what I mean? Like it's it's. I would not be at all surprised again if you're not familiar with '80s comics or, or have no connection to it. If this would be less enjoyable for someone like a younger listener, but but if uh, if you have enough of a mental history with uh, you know with the comics of that time, I think you can pretty clearly see that this is a, a really well put together. Uh, storyline for that era nice and and you know admittedly i i don't for as much as is as, as dap is beholden to the altar of gil kane you know i i don't have a ton of experience reading gil kane comics because you know for the most part dc um his conan stuff is so good though no no and I, i'm familiar with some of that but i'm saying like i so i haven't you know i haven't read a, a lot of gil kane and and so it was nice to see him putting lines down that were beautiful and, yeah. and kind of tap into the vibe of why y'all love the dude so much. Yep. I I appreciate that. Um, and the trade really hammered that home is that, yes, there, there's mentions that, uh, you know, Ray is a uh, full-fledged card-carrying member of the Justice League, but it's it's its own thing. Like there's no, there's nothing in it to tie it to a certain era of Superman or Batman. That's, you know, whether or not Jason Todd is his Robin. It's just, it's, it's, it's all about Ray and, and Adam. There's nothing. It it can kind of be told almost anytime. Cause even, even the clothing is kind of, you know, everybody's kind of dressed smartly. So it's not like, you know, reading an issue of seventies, amazing Spider-Man where, you know, everybody's got the butterfly collars and the flared out pants, but it's, I, I I like that. It's its own thing. There's no guest appearances by anybody else. It's just, this is just, you know, it's, it's, it's an Adam story and everything in it is, is just, he'll save the day or not, but we're, we're not, we're not calling in the, Legion of Substitute Heroes, or or no appearances by Elongated Man or Hawk, anybody that you know he's that he's been associated with since the sixties. It's just, yeah. it's just Adam. It's good stuff. No Superman in the second issue, right? Yeah, I love it, and I'm glad we reread it. Me too. And we hope you enjoyed it. Now, this is an atypical book of the month. We don't usually go issue by issue by issue in such exacting detail. But I think that the, the narratives demanded it. There's a lot of different characters in this thing. 
uh, as you heard. Uh, if you haven't read them, I suggest you scoop them up. You'd probably be able to find the issues on the cheap in the uh, the dollar bins. They're, they're mm-hmm. very worthy purchases. So uh, get on that and uh, be aware that next book of the month, you'll be able to vote on it if you're a patron. Uh, as we do, we float 11 titles for the patrons uh, to pick from and uh they they do it with their uh with with glee and gusto they pick a good title and then we'll talk about it so if you want to know what this whole patreon thing is about you want to participate in our book of the month just go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics join the ranks and you'll be able to have a voice and say "Uh uh-uh we're not reading concrete again we're going to read cerebus this month and be like okay (laughs) all right maybe not yeah. Uh, please check out our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. If you want to get your books, get them fast and delivered right to your door for a fraction of what everybody else is paying, go there. You'll be amazed. As Jason likes to say, you'll be gobsmacked. Just how much more money you have per month to spend on even more books. It's the best. DCBService.com. In your travels, I have an image title that I loved and uh i've been uh, negligent in talking about it it's uh, written by mickey uh, sorry it's written by ricky mamone max bertolini is the artist and uh dc hopkins did the lettering it's called second chances and you guys read this I didn't know that uh, black and white image books have black and white ads, too. When did this start? This is new to me. Is that an ad? I don't know if that's a rule, but... No, there's ads in the back for Primordial, Good Asian, Ice Cream Man, and they're all in black and white. Like, the whole book is printed in black and white. There's not a shred of color on this thing, save for the cover. Which is cool, because that's how I like it. Uh, So what is Second Chances about? Um, There's a man. We don't know his name, but he goes... He answers the phone with the uh, name Second Chances. And what he does, he's an eraser. If you have the money, he will uh, divest you from your current existence... And inject you into a new existence, a fresh start. Uh, he's a reset button of sorts. And uh, earlier in early in the issue, he's contacted by a man named Paul. And Paul has done something very, very bad. He's killed some people. And uh, Mr. Second Chances is like, so what? You you want me to clean up for you? And Paul's like, no, 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 no. Just just listen to me. Paul is uh, also being uh, surveyed by a pair of assassins wearing Oni masks. High-powered assassins. And when uh, Mr. Second Chances finds Paul, shit hits the fan. The the, uh, assassins break through and eventually kill Paul, which forces Second Chances to uh, to flee the scene. But there's a 
another narrative, and they eventually dovetail at the end. There's a young girl named Emma who works for a lawyer, her daddy's lawyer. And Emma's a bit of a snoop. Uh, she doesn't like the job, finds it, you know, dead end and wants out. And she's she's on her last day. And before she leaves, she wants a snoop through the, the boss's computer. And she's done so in the past. The boss has a, a weird fetish. He likes tickle videos. But... Um, while going through the, the the she hacks into the computer in quotes and she gets a uh, an email message from Miss Nobody and Miss Nobody directs her towards something that reveals to Emma that her parents especially her father isn't ex- they, they're not exactly as they seem so how do the two narratives dovetail Paul the man who called second chances at the beginning of the issue is Emma's father. And Emma is accosted by a beautiful woman named Miss Nobody. And Miss Nobody takes Emma captive. And the issue progresses apace. I don't want to reveal too much, but uh, I, I like this issue a lot. Uh, Primarily for the fact that Max Bertolini is firmly lodged, at least in my eyes, in the uh, Filipino invasion of the 70s. His work looks like it could have appeared in Creepy, Eerie, Skywald, any of those publications. He is very Filipino invasion. Beautiful artwork. Just extremely um, in keeping with with the the type of art that that we loved in the Bronze Age, it's it's very there's a realistic edge to it, super realistic edge. But it's done. The line work is amazing, very very uh, brushy, lots of thicks and thins, and I, I loved it. So it, there's there may be a supernatural edge to this. Uh, it's not revealed too much in the first issue, but the the teaser for the second issue cover. Makes me think that, yeah, things are going to get really weird. Because there's a woman, uh, and it looks like Miss Nobody to me. There's a woman with wings uh, in the image. I don't know. Maybe a tease. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I thought this issue was a lot of fun. Uh, very, very dark, by the way. As if anything I said didn't lead you down that road. Second chances, number one from Image Comics. Very, very good. I'm glad I got it in singles. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the um, the PDFs, and I, I I grabbed them. I just, they haven't been um, loaded onto the iPad yet, but that's great. I think the second issue came out, I don't uh, recently. But I haven't read it. That's why I didn't talk about it. But, that makes sense. Yeah. I like it a lot. I don't know what you haven't read. I dig it. I'll check it out. Do that. Uh, I'll do. The first issue of Deathstroke, Inc. came out this week. Um, This is written by Joshua Williamson. And uh, your art is Howard Porter and Hi-Fi. And 
I I liked it. Um, I mean, right off the bat on the cover, uh, Slade is cleaning his uh, sword with um, Batman's empty cape and cowl. So um, he's he's got his typical attitude. I being a um, a Deathstroke fan, I'm always curious to see where they're going to take the character. Uh, what situations they're going to put him in. And um, I think the only one I've really bailed on was the, um, the version that uh, Tony Daniel wrote, wrote and drew. Um, and that I, overall, um, the setup is, is quite interesting. Uh, there is an organization called trust which stands for uh, Transparent Researchers United. Transparent Researchers United for Strategy and Technology, and um, Juliet Ballantyne is the director. Um, Hiro Akamura is uh, also known as Toy Man 2.0. Seems to be um, the, uh, the dude at the computer calling. Um, Surveying the scene from afar, uh, and Deathstroke and Black Canary are in the field um, taking care of things. The first issue, they go up against um, Hive, and I, I, there are some things like with the sound effects and and the introduction of um, of the characters when we see Black Canary in costume for the first time. Uh, her her name kind of uh it's a different color than the rest of the panel but it it's it, it's almost it's kind of like almost movie style where uh the the someone comes bursting onto the scene and the screen freezes and you just see the person's the, the character's name but they, they kind of do the same thing with deathstroke when he starts blasting off his gatling gun um it it does deathstroke behind him in all all big letters but um I there's a quiet moment where Slade and Dinah both explain start to explain why they have signed on with with trust and um and for Slade he gets to really go into his reasons um he uh he's kind of tired of, um, of riding the middle lane. He, he says, you know, it's, it's, it's time I picked, um, it's time I picked, you know, hero or villain once and for all. Um, I'm going to play hero for a bit. He says, see if it sticks. And, um, so he's got his reasons cause he's got more money than he knows what to do with, you know, trust paying him. That doesn't, that, that that's not the incentive. So he's just switching things up a bit before Black Canary can explain her reasons. And we do see a, a flashback. We, we, we see a panel that happens before the issue where it looks like Oracle is, uh, is telling Black Canary, uh, we need to know who and what trust really is and what they're up to. Um, but before she can, before she can tell her side of the story, 
um, the comms come back up and and their their moment of silence amongst each other is 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 gone. So so Slade doesn't know her reasons. The reader may so so they obviously she she doesn't trust trust and um, Slade is just trying to do the right thing for a change and, and, and work on the side of the angels. But it doesn't look like trust is really on the up and up. And in the last page, we kind of um, get a sneak peek of some of the adventures that uh, this team is, uh, is going to go up against. But Porter's art is, um, is solid. Really, really good here. Uh, no surprise. I, 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 I like his black canary. Um, there isn't um a traditionalist or a purist when when it comes to Deathstroke, it's hard for me to see him in something other than the Buccaneer boots and, and the old mask with the tie and, and uh the way George drew him way back when. But um you know, it's it's twenty twenty one, times have changed and, and he's 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 kind of updated a bit. Um it's I it, it Part of it reminds me of, you know, Armored Daredevil, where does that really make sense? And and, and does that make sense? There are just some aspects of his costume, of his outfit, where I'm just like, I don't, it's, you know, if you're a mercenary, you're supposed to be all stealth-like. I don't, I, I don't know why you'd be clomping around with these big, thick boots or whatever, but, you know, it looks cool. But, yeah, I, I thought the first issue is, is, um, is a hit. I'm, I'm, uh stoked to see where we're going i um i'm hoping we can kind of just be its own thing for now even though of course black canary is part of uh of justice league and and um whatever other books they may include her in but i'm, I'm hoping it's kind of be its own thing before it starts to uh have a crossover with suicide squad or one of the task force task force or anything i just i want to just read a book for a minute so so i'm hoping this can kind of do its thing and ed williamson can uh tell the story he wants to tell within these pages but yeah in your travels deathstroke inc number one there you go um i'm gonna keep it short and sweet folks that are um either dreading the end of hickman's run on the x-men or not um, certainly if you've been along for the ride, I'm sure you will, if not already, get to Inferno, um, which looks like it's going to be the cherry on top of his uh, his X-Men Sunday. Uh, it was a bittersweet issue because it was so fucking good, and it was hard as I was reading how amazing it was, thinking that like it's nearing the end of his time here in this world, and that bums me out because no one's done it better in a long, long time. Um I won't get into the details, uh, but I will tell you that it definitely lived up to the considerable hype. And and I will say that that uh, Valerio Schiti, who is the artist, um, you know, he had big shoes to fill because Pepe Larraz has kind of become the go-to X-Men or Marvel event artist. And, uh, you know, he's a beast. And Schiti, I think, definitely holds his own. I think he definitely uh, puts it down. And I uh, was very disappointed to find out that he's digital only these days. But uh, I thought Inferno Number One was spectacular, absolutely spectacular. Nice. There you go. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We did. 
So if you want to hear more of this kind of stuff, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. If you even want more, there's a bunch of us on the socials, under the EOC banner, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd love to talk to you. In the meantime, do what you got to do, but then come back and say good night. Warriors, come out and play. David. Uh, good night. I got to watch that movie again. I don't, I don't have any empty, empty bottles. Such a Sorry. good movie. It is, right? Yeah. David. Nice. We are out of here, people. We'll be back next time. To fill your ears with the good, good, uh, go do stuff and come back. We'll be here waiting for you. Say bye. Later. Bye. NYCC. Yeah, don't forget, next week, we're going to be in the same room. Atypical. Right, atypical recording. Jason's going to have a huge sushi spread for us when we get there. <laughs> and <laughs> we're going to be. You know having- what? I'll have sushi. Oh, look at you. You don't have to be nice, but you don't have to. Just being in the same room with you is all I need. Yeah. All I need is just a little more time to be sure what I feel. That's it for that one.